Vision for Revival, an interview with Pastor Jamie Nunley. Thank you for joining me for Revival in My City. For those who want to see their cities transformed by the power of God, I hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and inspire as you pursue spiritual awakening in your own city. Hi, this is Cynthia Bryan. My guest today is a spiritual leader in Thomasville, Georgia. He is a musician, a composer, an author, and a community leader. He's the visionary lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church, and he's my boss. I want to welcome Jamie Nunley. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Great introduction. (laughs) So it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad glad you asked me. Well, I want to just jump right in. We have a lot of people listening who are hungry for revival and want to see their cities transformed. How would you define revival? Wow, that's a great question. Um, the thing about a word like revival is that as many people as you ask that question, you're going to get different answers, right? Um, for me, I've got a big conviction that revival is not just about the fruit of revival. So for instance, meetings, salvations, healings, all the things that we would expect to see unity among the body of Christ. It's all wonderful. And that all is part of the goal, but revival actually is much simpler. Um, It's, it's Jesus. I mean, revival at, at most basic level is Jesus Christ working in and through his church, unfettered, uh, without anyone getting in his way, being allowed to do what he wants to. I I wrote a song uh, years ago when I was doing music more called Revival. And and the first line, as a matter of fact, many of the lyrics came from just a time of prayer and and intercession at one of the um, meetings we were having at the church. And the opening line says, revival's not just a name for a meeting we hold. Revival is not just a word we use when our church is full. And then the chorus goes on to say, revival is a person, Jesus. And so I feel like that's what true revival is. Now, there will obviously be fruit of revival like meetings, but we can't reverse engineer revival. We can't call meetings uh, Monday through Friday, every night at seven, bring in a guest speaker and call it revival and it be revival <laughs> or you can't you can't do that it, you have to start with the person of jesus and as he begins to move then we see the fruits of that movement uh, that we would call revival that's great i i haven't really heard that definition in other places if you look at revival as being jesus how does that change the way you pursue revival for your church or for your city? If we treat revival like he's a person instead of it being an event, then the, the way that we experience revival is through personal relationship. Um, revival starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with us. It starts with our lives being completely and totally turned over to the Lord in worship, in obedience, in awe and reverence, fostering that relationship with Him. And then I get set on fire, <laughs> and then you get set on fire, 
and then the leaders of the church get set on fire, then the church gets set on fire, and then the church down the road gets set on fire. And next thing you know, we have what would be called revival. That's so good. I love that. So what do you see as key catalyst for revival and awakening in a city? Well, first of all, I mean, a, a common theme throughout revival, um, revival services experiencing revival is going to be unity, right? I mean, unity among the body of Christ. Uh, scripture is so clear um, that God just likes unity. I think likes to put us in situations where unity is uncomfortable and he's going to see if we're, we will still uphold that ideal as a practice, not just a theology, right? I think, I think most of us have a theology of unity. If you ask us, hey, is unity good? We would all say, yes, we would check that box, right? What the Lord actually wants us to do is not just hold it in our head, but hold it in our heart and to actually begin to practice unity, not just believe in unity. So I'll give you an example. One of the things that we did years ago is I have a really close friend of mine who pastors a predominantly African-American church. He and I were getting to know each other. Uh, we were learning to you know, love each other and see you know, who, we, who each other was and, and what God was doing in each other's lives. And through a series of lunches and meetings and just hanging out, we, we really began to love and honor each other. And so the last Sunday of that year, he and I got together and decided, hey, I'm going to cancel my church service and our entire church is going to go meet at his church. And it was packed out and worse. We joined worship teams. Our worship leader was up on stage with theirs. And, and uh, he actually asked me to preach, which I had no intention of doing, but that's what he wanted. And it was just such an incredible time of unity. Now here's the thing. Their style of church is different than our style of church. And that's okay. Unity does not require uh, that we're alike. That's uniformity, right? Not unity. Unity required that I be willing to be myself in another environment without expecting him to not be himself, right? And so that's what I believe happened that Sunday morning. Um, and so unity is so important. The Holy Spirit just gets happy when we're unified. And I, I'll never forget being in different services where people from all walks of life, different parts of the body of Christ, different churches, different denominations get together and worship or get together and, and do some sort of service project. Uh, but they get together outside of church boundaries and the Holy Spirit's presence is always so strong. That's great. And there's something that you said about uniformity and unity, like there's a difference. That's such a great point. And I think so many people have got that confused, like thinking you have to deny who you are to be in unity with someone else. But but there really is a distinction between uniformity and unity. And kingdom-minded unity is unity in the Spirit, is unity in uh, Jesus. I want to mention something else. So you said Basically, the Holy Spirit gets happy when there's unity. And I've been in some of those environments where there are people of different races and different denominations, and we're all worshiping together in unity. And it's almost an emotional feeling of the joy of the Holy Spirit. How do you think we can cultivate that in a city? That's a great question. So I think the joy that we experience 
um, the presence of the Holy Spirit when we're in unity is the same joy that I have when my children are getting along and enjoying each other's company too. I've got, I've got three teenagers. Uh, they're 20, 16 and 15. And we have so much fun together. We, it, it's not perfect. I don't, I don't want to paint like it's this perfect love fest at our house. We're all still people, right? But, but far away, by and large, uh, our children love hanging around each other. They enjoy hanging out together, cutting up with each other, doing things together. And that makes my, my heart and my wife's heart, that makes us happy because we love our children getting along in the same way. When I see my children having a problem with one another, attacking one another, calling one another names, <laughs> being mean and harsh to one another, that makes me sad. You know, it grieves me as their parent. And so that's got to be how the Lord feels times a million because his love for us is even more than we can fathom. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's important that we understand that the, the happiness we feel, that presence is almost like this electric uh, presence of the Holy Spirit that we feel when we're in unity is actually just an expression of the Holy Spirit's pleasure with us being unified as his children. I forgot the second part of your question. <laughs> uh, me too. So let's, <laughs> let's move on. So what do you think you can do as a pastor to help bring unity within the body of Christ in the city? As a pastor, I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to have to do things, arrange things, attend things that I otherwise wouldn't. I mean, my tendency as a pastor, and then hopefully this doesn't make me sound like a terrible person. I'm just being honest. My tendency as a pastor is to only care about my church. I mean, I want my church to be as good as it possibly can. I want our people to be healthy. I want our programs to be things that bring life to our congregation. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's only partial. It's only part of what I'm called to do. Again, I think about my own personal family. Do I want my family, my wife, my children, our house to be in good order? Yes. But do I also want my neighbor's family, my neighbor's house to be in order and, and then see them succeeding? Yes. And so as a pastor, it's so tempting, so tempting to only focus on my own ministry callings, my own passions, my own way of doing things. I mean, I don't do anything that I don't think is right. I don't teach anything that I, that I think is wrong. And so if a church down the street does something a different way or teaches something a slight with a slightly different edge to it, I have to learn to lay my preferences down. I have to learn to determine, is this essential doctrine? Jesus is not negotiable, right? I mean, Jesus is God. He is our savior. He alone is the only way uh, to the father and the only way that we can be saved, the only name by which we can be saved. But how we worship Jesus, when we worship Jesus, what things look like, sound like when we worship Jesus, that, that's not a message. That's a method. So the message can't change, but the method can change. And so as a, as a pastor in a local city with other local churches, I have to learn to think outside of myself. I have to learn to think outside of that religious box. I also have to learn to be okay with being associated with ministries that I don't 100% agree with. 
And, and that's tough sometimes because, you know, it's not hard to get into unity with someone who's just like you. But when I get into unity with another church, with another pastor, with another congregation or ministry who believes slightly different than I do or does things differently than I do, now I'm in unity. But now, man, I'm, I'm sacrificing my 100% comfort. My I feel comfortable doing this. This is how I want it done. I'm sacrificing that for the sake of including someone else. And that's hard. And, and as a leader, you know what? That means you'll probably be ridiculed. That means that some people might make you guilty by association. You know, if 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 a Methodist church and a Baptist church begin to do things together, then it's always possible, unfortunately, that some of the hardline Methodists or hardline Baptists will say, well, hey, they're not like us. You know, they sprinkle and we dunk or, or, or we do this and they do that. But it's so important that... We get over that for the sake of unity. I think that's really when the blessing comes. So as a pastor in a local community, I've got to get over my desire to be the best, to be the only, my desire to compete. I've got to learn to love it when I see another church do well. I've got to learn to be a cheerleader for other ministries, for other pastors. And when they do well, I don't get jealous. I celebrate with them. Yeah, that that's so good. And I wanted to ask you, like, I see your heart for the city and your willingness to make sacrifices, you know, like to set aside time that you'd probably really like to be doing something else, but you make the effort to go to a community meeting to meet with other pastors and other leaders. How did this develop in you? Like, was it revelation from God or was this a gradual thing you understood from scripture or what brought you to this understanding of the importance of unity? I think all of the above. I mean, you, you see unity in scripture so strongly. I mean, Jesus actually said, it's your love for one another that the world will know you belong to me. That's so funny to me. See, I would think that Jesus would say, it's your love for the world that the world will know that you belong to me. But that's not what he said. He said, it's your love for one another. See, evangelism, the best evangelism is unity. If you want to lead someone to Christ, then show that person how much the body of Christ loves each other. Again, that goes against uh, our grain, right? That, that goes against what we, what we want. We want to just, in our own way, without other churches, without other ministries, go love the world. And, and there's a place for that. And we do need to go, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave. So we want to do that. But at the same time, Jesus clearly says it's unity in the body of Christ that, that's going to show the world that we actually belong to him. So the, scripture obviously is there. I've also just really recognized I have a, a strong desire to staff my weaknesses. You know, you introduced me as your boss earlier, but but the fact is, Cynthia, is that you have a lot of abilities that I don't. Uh, your administrative abilities, your, your way to problem solve and think through things strategically, I think through things a different way. And so one of the reasons that I think you and I and the rest of our team work so well together is that we're all different. And so I've learned through the corporate world, I, I worked in the business world for, for decades before I became a full-time pastor. And through the business world, I learned that, hey, I've got deficiencies. There are things that I'm good at and there are things that I'm not good at. And so I'm going to be honest with myself and recognize what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And then I'm going to staff those weaknesses. And, and that doesn't mean literally pay or hire 
when I say staff your weaknesses, I mean just surround yourself with a team of people who can bring something to the table that you don't naturally offer. I, I recognize that. I've learned to fall in love with other churches, even though I don't always agree with every doctrine or every way of worship. I've learned to ask the Lord to show me, God, how you feel about them. Let me feel how you feel about this ministry, Lord. Break my heart for this pastor, Lord. And so adopting the Lord's mindset, again, if revival is Jesus, then I need to see people through Jesus's eyes and that will bring about revival. That's so good. And, you know, we represent Jesus as the body of Christ and where they're all different parts of the body. As we get to know ministries and other churches, like I just see how that part of the body of Christ is fulfilling his heart in ways I haven't seen or the church that I'm involved in isn't doing in the same way or doing as well. So I just love that God uses us all. We can't even be who we're supposed to be without others. That's right. That's right. That's good. So how do you as a pastor lead a church to pursue revival in a city? First of all, going back to our thesis here, revival is a person and revival is Jesus. If I am going to try to lead my church into revival, that means I can't change the subject. <laughs> it's got to be Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus, right? Uh, and of course, that means that how the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, uh, works in our lives. That's who the Father is and what He's like, because the Son is the express image of the Father, right? But it's, but it's never changing the subject when it comes to the person who is revival, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, one of the phrases that we use around the church is that our job as leaders is to create healthy Christians. That's our goal. So many pastors, and I'm tempted to, to do this as well, but so many times we get fixated on like attendance numbers, giving numbers, um, new member numbers. All of that is fruit. All of it is fruit. If, if we'll create healthy Christians, healthy Christians attend. Healthy Christians give, healthy Christians invite, healthy Christians join, right? And, and so if we will train people to connect to the source, the fruit will grow. It actually takes the pressure off of me as the lead pastor to try to make sure everyone's growing fruit. Okay, why don't I just connect them to the source and then the fruit will show up. And so that's my job as lead pastor, I believe, is to ensure everyone is is connecting uh, to the Lord and that we're creating healthy Christians. As we grow in Christ, revival will happen. See, revival should be a lifestyle. Revival should just be a way of life. It shouldn't be a series of meetings. A true revival never has to be announced. True revival happens and people flock to it. And so as I, as a lead pastor, um, encourage the people, pour into the people and say, hey, get to know Jesus, every aspect of who you are, every second of every minute of every hour of every day, right? As you learn to grow in Christ, revival just happens and you don't have to hype it up and you don't have to buy a billboard and you don't have to, do, it just happens. And next thing you know, the fruit of revival that we long for, salvations, healings, deliverance, all these awesome things that happens when the kingdom comes to earth, it starts happening because we have prioritized Jesus as our one subject. Yeah, that, that's so good.
What do you see that encourages you concerning a citywide revival? So I do see in our city, in Thomasville, I do see a lot of unity. And and I before I was actually even a, a pastor here in town, I'll never forget where I was. Uh, Thomasville High School was on my left and the, the cultural center, the center for the arts was on the right. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me really strongly. And he said, Thomasville, Georgia is called to be a case study of what it's like when a small city uh, or a large town, however you want to classify us, when we allow the presence and the power of God to move unfettered without restrictions, we're called to be a light to other cities in this nation and all over the world of what lifestyle revival looks like. Not just meetings, right? But lifestyle revival where we live in um, a state of revival where revival is normal and natural. And, and, and we've seen that. Uh, we've seen a measure of that, not only in our church. We see you know, hundreds of people saved, healed uh, every year. But even beyond us, because it's not about one church, even beyond us, we see unity happening in our city. We see, you know, we've got organizations, um, you know, like Project Backyard uh, and One Heartbeat, um, where Brian Watt leads that group. We've got organizations like CTI with Doug Silvis that are that are doing they're actually doing this unity idea. They're not just holding it in a theological truth as a theological truth but they're actually practicing it through their actions. Um, and so I, I genuinely believe that Thomasville is the center of the earth. <laughs> I just, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, and, and, and of course I should, because right, this is, this is my heart. Uh, and, but I also see signs, you know, I also see the beginning of blooms happening in our city. Um, you know, when we've had tragedy, like we had a, a, a white officer shoot a, a black man and, you know, it was really worrisome for a little bit. You know, was our little community going to get splintered and divided? And we really saw the church step up along with other groups and say, hey, this is not going to define us. Yes, we need to make changes. Yes, um, there, there is there's more for us to do when it comes to racial equality and racial uh, reconciliation. But uh, we're not going to let this uh, get us off track. Uh, from what God has for us. And so I, I've been really pleased that um, that the Lord does seem to be moving uh, and we're just beginning to see the sprouts of revival. And I'm praying that even more people uh, catch the vision um, for not just church revival, but citywide revival. Yeah, that's so good. And I do want to ask you, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners? You know, I just encourage you, if you're a leader um, and you want to see revival in your city, ask the Lord. I, I would say two things. First of all, ask the Lord to break your heart for your city. I, I've done this. And let me warn you, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not fun because what the Lord will do is he will allow you to feel what he feels. Uh, you know, the, and the Lord hurts. He hurts for for the lost. He hurts for the broken. Uh, he hurts for the sick. And and when we allow the Lord to really show us His heart for others, it's not always fun. I mean, it's not always a pleasant experience. But but that's what will get your passion going for your city, for your community. Um, so I would suggest that. The other thing I would do. 
is I would suggest that you um, put yourself in experiences and in situations where God is already moving in the way where you want him to in your church and your city. Um, I'll never forget one of the um, kind of watershed moments for me. Um, I was I was really young. I was I was probably around 19 or 20. And um, I went to the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, and it was not when it first started. It had been going for a few years. And just just experiencing, um, you know, waiting in line to have to go to church. I was like, wow, this is this is crazy. <laughs> You know, to have to wait in line. And then thankfully we were, my parents were pastors. And so we got a good seat and they were putting pastors closer to the front uh, so that they could take home with them, you know, what they got uh, at the meeting. And I'll never forget the music starting. And uh, the guy's name was Lyndall Cooley and he started singing and the atmosphere in the, it was already like excitement. But when the worship started, it was like the, the air thickened around us and it was like warm oil everywhere. It was just indescribable. And, and then, you know, I forget who spoke that day, but they just preached a really strong repentance message. And then everyone starts flooding the altar and people, I'm even just getting choked up talking about it right now. And, and I remember thinking, I want this. I, I need this. And, and having experiences like that make regular church no longer okay. You can't be okay. It's like, it's like if you have a crummy hamburger and then you eat an amazing hamburger, you don't want the crummy hamburger anymore, right? Once you've tasted something that's so good, you don't want to go back to what's mediocre. And so having experiences where I've been in moments of revival like that have really given me an appetite for more. And so when I get tempted, because it's easier, when I get tempted to say, you know what, let's just do church. Let's just meet on Sundays. Let's just receive our offering. Let's just preach a good message where everyone feels encouraged and goes home and says, that was fun. Whenever I get tempted, I remember those experiences. I remember, no, 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 no. There's so much. We were not put on earth to facilitate mediocre church services. That's not why I'm here. That's not why God saved me. God has saved me to bring revival, to bring fire, to bring repentance, to bring healing, to bring deliverance to the city and the community around me. And I refuse to settle. And that mentality um, comes from experience. And so I encourage you, if you're a leader, get in those environments where people are experiencing what you want to experience. Talk to those leaders who are leading in environments where you want to lead. And then so much of the kingdom is not taught, it's caught, right? So much of the kingdom of God, you can't get from reading a book. You have to get it from being there. And so that's what I encourage people to do is, is to be willing to travel, be willing to bring people into your church, even if you're not sure of their theology 100%. I mean, I wouldn't, I talked about the Brownsville Revival in the mid-90s. I wouldn't agree with everything that the church or the revival said from a theological standpoint. But there's something more important than my agreement on theology. It's unity. It's Jesus. And it's revival. And so that, that's my suggestion. to If you're interested in seeing God move in your community, um, man, just begin to go where God's already moving and say, Lord, first of all, break my heart for my city, for my town, for my community. And then two, Lord, as I go where you're already moving, please help me to bring this back to my environment and to my culture.
That's so good. I'm getting really excited <laughs> just, just hearing you and just thinking of some of the things that, that God's done in other places and just the expectation that He's going to do it also here in our own uh, city. I'm also reminded of a couple of years ago, shortly after you became lead pastor, you inviting a team into the church that moved in healing. And it was a big risk, you know, to bring someone that you didn't really know in. I was terrified. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it was the first year I had become pastor. And we've always at VFC had a theology for healing. Right. Uh, because it's I mean, it's right there in Scripture. I mean, never in Scripture does anyone, Jesus, uh, the apostles, any of the writers of the New Testament say, hey, guys, so Jesus is going to stop healing. Um, and so we're sorry about that. But don't worry, you get heaven later. Like that's not in scripture. There's instructions. Even James says, if any of you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And if he's committed any sins, he will be raised up. Right. And so you see instructions on how to pray for the sick. You don't ever see a warning that it's going away. So we had the theology and we saw people getting healed. Um, but it was very it was it was just every once in a while. And so I was kind of mad at the Lord, <laughs> just <laughs> having time with him and saying, God, you know, I believe in healing. But ever since I've become pastor, it was about six months in, like even the healing that we have seen, it seemed to have gone away. Like we weren't seeing anything. And I was like, this is frustrating. And I, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, you need to go to where it's happening and then you need to bring people in. So I did both. I went to a, a meeting uh, with a group called Global Awakening that's led by Randy Clark, who I'm a big fan of, and just got honestly just got blasted. Just it's in in the in the in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of other people that were seeking Him, and it just it just it just totally wrecked my life. I mean, I I, I began to experience the Lord in a new way and just getting revived personally. And then we brought in, as you said, a team. Um, and that team was from, uh, was from Bethel, uh, in Redding, California. And I know, again, see, you start naming ministries and immediately some people are like, well, well I don't know about, and that's cool. Again, you don't have to agree with someone 100% for you to receive something from them. I mean, what if we carried that out into any other area of our life, not just spirituality? I mean, I would never believe anything anyone said. I don't agree with everyone. I don't even agree with myself a hundred percent of the time. So like, so we have to lay that down and we have to uh, eat, eat the meat, spit out the bones is what my dad used to say. Uh, and so we can receive from other people, even if we don't agree with 100% of everything they believe. And so that team came in and we began to see just genuine miracles right in front of our eyes. I remember one time a, a young man who couldn't really run all that well because he had two, his femurs were two different lengths. So his legs were two different lengths and it wasn't me. It wasn't the speaker. Uh, Some random person in our church prayed for him and they could literally see all of a sudden his legs shot out. And the mom took the boy to the doctor afterward and they measured. They said, yep, they're the same length now. It was a medical miracle. And and we watched it happen in front of our eyes. And so um, that's not comfortable. It's awesome. And at the same time, it's uncomfortable because now you got people saying, well, wait a minute. How do you know? Right. But that's okay. Revival is messy. Jesus is revival. And think about the mess Jesus made. 
I, I mean, think about it. Everywhere he went, he caused riots. People were in the streets. The, the religious people were mad. Um, he was, they tried to kill him many times. Uh, it, it's messy. And if we're not willing to embrace the mess, we're not going to see the move. And, and so that's really, really important, I think, is that we have to learn to just say, hey, we're going to bring people in. And we're going to go out. And so that marked our church. Uh, I think from that point when we began to have uh, people come in and, and demonstrate um, healing and things like that, we began to see more healing. And now it's so normal. It's, it's funny. Our church is so used to seeing people get healed on Sunday mornings during our services. They don't think anything of it. It's the visitors that remind me. They're like, wow, so that person got healed this morning? I'm like, oh, yeah. Happens, happens almost every Sunday. Happens all the time. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> and so, but that's what I mean. Revival is normal. Now we didn't, we didn't take out an ad in the paper. We didn't start meeting every night of the week, right? We didn't start saying, you're billing it as the VFC revival. No, we're just walking in normal kingdom principles, uh, which is revival. <laughs> revival is what it means to be a Christian because revival is a person and that person is Jesus. That's so good. That's so good. So, Jamie, if someone wanted to connect with you or learn more, um, what would be the best way to do that? Sure, sure. Well, I encourage you. I'm on Facebook. Um, I, I'm on, um, I actually have a ministry page called Jamie Nunley, the plaid pastor. That's one of the nicknames that people have given me because I do seem to wear plaid a lot. Um, <laughs> and so uh, people ask, do you always wear plaid? No, but probably more than you do. <laughs> so, uh, so right. you can find me there on Facebook. I do have a website, jamienunley.com, uh, where there's blog posts and things like that. And then, of course, uh, I'm at Victory Fellowship Church. I'm at VFC. Uh, you can always find me there, call the church office, make an appointment. I'd love to speak with or talk with anyone uh, who would want to. And so uh, that's, that's how to get me. Okay, super. Thanks. And um, to close us out, would you pray for the listeners who are seeking revival in their cities? Absolutely. Father, thank you so much uh, that you invite us into your kingdom ways. Uh, Lord, you're sovereign and you can do whatever you want to, but you choose to invite us to make us the people who bring revival to our city. Lord, as you bring yourself to us. Uh, Lord, thank you so much, God, for, for moving um, in each and every person's life so that they might be revival that brings revival to their city. Lord, I, I just pray, God, for every leader that may be listening. Lord, give them a specific plan for how they can help bring the kingdom to earth. Lord, let them know how they can help bring revival to their church, to their ministry, to their city. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would break our hearts for our communities. Lord, it's so easy to point out what's wrong. It's so easy to see what's wrong. But Lord, criticism is not one of the fruits of your spirit, Lord. So help us to see, God, that, that you have a plan for citywide revival. You have a plan for churchwide revival. Lord, you have a plan for personal revival. And so, Lord, I pray that we would walk in those realities. I pray, God, I just release on each listener now a new, fresh revelation of who you are, what you're doing, how you think, and what your heart is like. 
And Father, I thank you so much, God, that you are stirring up the body of Christ. Lord, everyone's so worried about how things are getting dark or things are getting worse. You know what? Good. Because that means that the church is going to stand up and be a light, a city set on a hill that can lead that darkness, lead people from that darkness into your marvelous light. And so, Father, we are not afraid of what the enemy's plans are. We don't let the enemy set our agenda. Lord, we stand on the agenda of the kingdom. And we say, God, that that Thomasville, that each and every city and community will be a case study of what it's like when your presence is allowed to move. And so we thank you so much, God, for using us. What a privilege and honor it is uh, to be a part of your kingdom. And Jesus, thank you for being a revival. Thank you for being the one who not only leads us into personal revival, but also leads our cities, our communities, and our countries into revival. We love you. Recreate yourself in me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That is so good, Jamie. Um, I so appreciate your heart for Jesus. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks. Thanks for being with us. See you later. See you in the office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to Revival in My City. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, review, or email me at Cynthia at RevivalInMyCity.com. I hope you will join me in praying. Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in my city as it is in heaven.